0: hello traders i'm your host chicago sean sean mclaughlin and this is the trade ideas how do i podcast where we answer the universal question how do i get the most out of trade ideas and make more money today on the show i have with me pete malmatt from the small exchange pete how are you my friend
1: i'm great sean how are you thank you so much For having me on today and i am really looking forward to uh spending a little time talking with you well pete you're such an easy guy to talk
0: to you're an outgoing guy you're a friendly guy you're a funny guy my kind of guy and you've been (laughs) trading you've been trading for a long time so we totally have lots in common but hey first of all congratulations on the launch of the small exchange i know it has not been an easy journey it's been a couple years in the making congratulations man you guys are really pulling it off
1: Thanks so much. We're so excited. And you're right, Sean, two years of, of work building our own proprietary trade matching engine, building proprietary products. We really wanted to do this right and do it different than everybody else. And we've seen exchanges, you know, it's a very monopolistic environment on the future side. There are two major exchanges that drive the bulk of business we see in the U.S. And making headway into that monopoly, a lot of uh, companies have tried and failed. They've built look-alike products, or they've tried to leverage other people's technology to do so, and it comes with its own peril. So we we really we stepped back and we said, okay, what do we need? We need cutting-edge technology to create the best trading experience possible with a trade matching engine that can facilitate types of trades that you couldn't do anywhere else in terms of pairs and cross-product trades. Then we sat down and said, okay. What are we going to do? How are we going to build product that resonate with the larger audience? Sean, you and I have known each other for a long time. And uh, cumulatively, I don't know, we probably, uh, you know, uh, you had our time together trading. We, It's when the dinosaurs uh, <laughs> rolled the earth. Um, I started actually in 1982 when I was 20 years old. I was very fortunate to come from a family of traders and start trading on the floor of the exchange. And... You know what, so we, you and I grew up with, especially in futures, institu- the world of institutional futures. What I mean by that is products that are very large are quoted in very bespoke, very different ways depending on the products. Whether it's, you know, two decimal points to the right or nine decimal points to the right like in yen or fractions, God forbid, like they they have in treasury. Huh. So how do we take all those, all those pieces that make me as a square peg uh, not fit into that round hole of having to try to fit my ideas into an institutional world. So, everything we built were with these three kind of pillars small, standard, and simple. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about those, but we've had an incredible launch, an incredible two weeks of we launched with three products an equity index, a precious metals index, and a dollar index.
0: I would love to go back um, a little bit to the beginning. Now, I have this romantic notion of... Uh, You know, you and the small exchange CEO, Donnie and Saznov, you were all sitting around the coffee table, uh, you know, after the market closed and everybody went home and you guys were playing around a poker or something, uh, drinking uh, some coffees or a glass of scotch or whatever. And you were all just thinking, hey, man, remember when we used to trade futures in the floor? And and, man, I wish our customers could trade. I'm trying to envision what that conversation looked like and where the real kernel of this idea came from.
1: Well, you know what, and you're, you're spot on. This is something that, while the building of it has taken two years, the idea has been, you know, 15 years in the making. And you're right, what I did and Tom did and Donny did on different trading floors, on different exchanges, wasn't, you know, was a very different piece, place in time. And our thoughts really revolved around this idea of how difficult all the benefits that futures give you, capital efficiency, Leverage and leverage, you know, is a two, you know, is a two-edged sword, but used constructively is very productive in terms of a return on capital. And the ta- from everything small to the tax treatment, all these wonderful benefits are wrapped around this incredibly difficult heavy lift. And from being traders, from being, uh, and I can tell you, I mean, my own st- stories, we all started, Tom, Donnie, I all started in a single pit and we would trade a single product. And you would then look to add product mixes to add new exposure to your your trading and uh, in, in an attempt to find new opportunity. And there was always a painful lear- learning curve. It's like the first time you went from trading five lots to trading 20 lots. You, you know, the mind is always like, look what I'm doing with five lots. I could do four times as well if I just traded bigger. Of course, it's so easy. Right. The reality is that you get hit pretty much with the the trader's fly swatter are pretty much pretty hard in the face. So, you know, we all thought about all these things that have been a challenge, not only size and living in that world of big size, but when we all adopted new product, whether it be Tom going from OEX to putting SP futures in his mix or Donnie moving from, you know, trading ATT and t to, uh, uh, I believe, the Mexican and Brazilian uh, telecoms, and me branching out from, marks and euro currency to adding yen and crude and all these things. There's a learning curve that comes with it The products are different. They move different. It's difficult There's always a cost involved in Both dollars and time to adopt them. So we thought about okay, here are all those challenges and those are challenges our customers our viewers our fellow traders all face how can we address those issues and that was you're you're involved in this market not only as a trader but also as a advocate of of trading and of markets. You know the challenges and you see the frustrations that so many individuals who take the time and effort to adopt product and and learn and go through that lift. It's a heavy lift and it's often hard to do and. We wanted to make that as easy as possible. So where can we reduce the barriers to entry? I could totally speak
0: to that, by the way. Sorry if I interrupted. No, um, please do. I could speak to that. I remember when I first, uh, I started trading in 1998, uh, trading stocks, but I, I uh, eventually moved over to futures. Uh, I started getting interested around 2001, but I didn't really start trading them until I think 2002. And I remember, Pete, uh, I was trading all the major uh, commodity futures, uh, you know, Corn and soybeans, as well right. as gold and silver, and T-bond futures, and uh, and S and P futures, and you know the whole gamut. And I remember just being overwhelmed consistently about the uh, you know the tick sizes being so different across all products, and and I had to eventually. I, I broke down. I'm like, I just gotta build a goddamn spreadsheet <laughs> uh, where I could just type in my, you know, the price of the product and and the size of the, uh, the amount of money I want to risk and let the thing calculate my my position size for me because I can't in the on the fly in a hurry. I can't make heads or tails of these tick sizes. And and I remember, you know, I invested a lot of time to make that happen. But for the casual futures trader who's, you know, exploring it, thinking about it, and they come from a stock trading world, they're, they're quickly either turned off or right. unmotivated by the fact, oh, wait, these things are quoted in 130 seconds, and I got to do that math? Uh, you know, forget it. I'm out of here. <laughs>
1: right. Or go down to the two-year, and it's 1-128. And it's like, you lost me right there. Or let alone the inverse relationship between the world I want to trade and you and I live in, which is yield. We know what our home loan, our car loan, if we have a student loan, they're all quoted in yield. We know that world is it a, 300, a 3% yield or a 2% yield, but we're compelled to trade in this world of bond price that fits wonderfully for an institution or a pension fund, but certainly doesn't fit for us. So you're right, Sean, that your assessment is spot on. And it becomes it becomes very difficult, not only financially, because we all... We kind of learn best, and I, I'm curious your thoughts. You learn best by doing. We can all spend a lot of time staring at contract specs, and we can all spend time in the sim. But at some point, we really learn by, and it's usually by trial by fire. We don't learn by being right, but we learn by sometimes when we're wrong in the market.
0: Uh, and Pete, that, that's Pete, the you're hitting a, you're you're striking a raw nerve here with me because <laughs> unfortunately for me, the way I'm built is I have to do the real thing and take the lumps because any other way for me, doesn't work. It doesn't, the, the lessons don't stick unless I get in there and get hurt. And, and it, it's like, this is a battle I fought my whole career. And now as a father of a five-year-old son, and I see him <laughs> making mistakes and learning, and I totally see him repeating everything I did in my life. I'm like, oh shit, that's just how he's going to learn. You know, he's got to make the mistakes. He's got to fall and scratch his knee and then he won't do that again. You know, that kind of thing. And,
1: oh, you're, you're hitting a raw nerve there, Pete. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, and Sean, I've got a 20-year-old, a 24-year-old and a 25-year-old. And trust me, my friend, and it doesn't get easy, any easier when they break the 10 year or 20 year mark. So uh, you're it's a great ride, but you're in for a long haul and they they will learn. and it, it's so funny because my 24 year old called me and he's engaged to a wonderful young lady and they were having this discussion about where she might apply for a job and he, he was going through this whole dialogue with her, and he, he goes, oh my God, Dad, I gotta tell you, I started like channeling you. I stopped mid-sentence, and it was like I was repeating everything you told me <laughs> 10 years ago. And and I was like, yeah, see, it, it does actually work, but uh, you're right, we all learn by doing, and uh, we learn. So the question becomes, and, and I'm curious, Sean, you, you invested a lot of time doing this, and you were very successful at doing it. Um, if you don't have the time, but still want to engage, how do you go through that learning curve and survive not only financially but mentally you know uh, that's where the challenge lies
0: yeah and you know i'm insanely jealous of traders who are starting now pete i mean compared to when you and i started the the tools that are available for you know whether you you are a casual maybe you know i hate to use the word hobbyist but if you're looking to, you know to make a little money on the side or if you want to come to the markets and make a living at it but you're not like somebody who works at you know, Goldman Sachs, right. The the tools that are available for people to learn now, you know, are unbelievable. Uh, I started, you said you started in the early eighties. I started in 1998. The internet was just, you know, a brand new right. thing. You know, we didn't really have, I mean, there was stuff on the internet mostly. I mean, Jim Cramer had like the first website in finance that I knew about. Um, but, you know, there was not a whole lot of resources, but today, I mean, not only do we have fantastic bloggers, we have social media where you could follow smart people online, but I'm gonna toot your horn here. I mean the Tasty Trade folks, I mean <laughs> what what they are doing for our industry and what they have been doing for the past, I don't know what, eight, ten years now? Uh, is unbelievable. And and I have to be honest, Pete, and uh don't tell Tom I said this, but <laughs> I, I remember visiting the Tasty Trade Studios, the very first one when you guys were over in the Gold Coast. Right. Um, in the old recording studio. I visited you guys early on. I was working at StockTwits at the time. You guys had the StockTwits CEO on as a guest. Uh, I think it was Bootstrapping in America or one of those, mm-hmm. one of those type of things. And um, I remember being in there thinking, well, you guys are brand new. It was like your first year. And I remember thinking to myself, A, how the hell are they going to make any money doing this? And B, is anybody even watching this stuff? This seems goofy, but you know, fast forward to where we are now. And I'm in awe of what you guys have done just not only with the, with the, the lessons and just the constant education and the constant uh, reiterating of best practices and things like that, that you can never hear enough of and, and building that whole brand, that whole community. I just think it's just such an amazing thing. And I, I still tune in uh, to Tasty trade pretty regularly, at least, at least a few times a week. That whole ecosystem that you guys are building, kind of fast forward to today, is is perfect for launching the small exchange uh, because because when you're launching new products, no matter if they're complicated or simple, yours happen to be simple, which is great. Uh, but when you're launching new products, you need people to be able to explain it in ways that the common folk can understand, and nobody's doing what Tasty Trade's doing, so I applaud you guys for that. Uh, but that kind of leads me to my next question for you is, you know, Tom and, and and Scott Sheridan and your whole gang there. I mean, you guys have built things in the past. You've built trading platforms. You've built hedge funds, I believe. Uh, you guys have had all this experience in the business, but you'd never built an exchange before. Tell me about some of the the learning curves and the, the growing pains you guys went through as a team, navigating a whole different set of regulators and a whole bunch of set of different uh, challenges. Well, you
1: know, Sean, you're spot on. We were moving into our chartered ground, but uh, this company and all the companies within the Tasty Trade universe and Tasty Trade is an investor in the small exchange. It does. It is its own independent exchange. And there is no it truly is. One of the wonderful things with futures is a level playing field. So no one has. An advantage over anyone else. So, but you know, you look at that entrepreneurial spirit of Tom and Scott. They truly are exceptional in their in their vision of where you know access to the markets with ThinkOrSwim or the next iteration of a brokerage with TastyWorks and Tasty Trade. I'm so fortunate to be able to work with those guys. It it truly is you know it's like going to Disneyland every day. Uh, absolutely, an incredible environment to be able to work. With these, you know, you talk about entrepreneur, and it's often cloaked in very various descriptions. These guys are really it in terms of innovation and thinking outside the box. So, when we went to build an exchange, you're right. So, this is unlike any other endeavor uh, any of us have done because an exchange is a it's a self-regulatory entity but it is governed by the commodity futures trading commission a a government regulator and uh something a group called the nfa the national futures association so two very very serious very you know it is a it is a very gosh i'm trying to think the best way to but a very serious formal world of of regulation we live in and uh we had to build from the ground up being mindful that all of our systems and all the overlapping redundancy we have both in technology and in financial surveillance and in operations met those very high standards of being a what they call a dco or a designated uh a dcm excuse me a designated contract market so challenges were were many so we we had a You know what? We had a vision, which was great. We also had a roadmap of what people did poorly, which always helps. (laughs) Uh, You you know, there's nothing wrong in taking a lesson from someone's missteps. So that got you part of the way down the road, but certainly not all of it. And it was really a, a very disciplined approach in terms of partnering with the right technology partner to build what, you know, it's one thing to build a trade matching engine that facilitates buys and sells, it's another one to build, to be built with partnership of traders and cutting edge technology vendors, and that's what we did. So you ended up getting something that not only works incredibly well, but is actually crafted to let traders uh, be traders in, in the most effective way possible. So technology was a huge build for us. Getting through uh, and building a regulatorily compliant entity was a huge lift and we met and exceeded all those expectations i think at each step of the process there was kind of a a little bit of surprise not by our group we had a vision but that this core group of people could go out and do this in this world of giants of cme and ice and uh be able to Get up, get running, work properly, and launch products that resonate with an audience. So, uh, you know, um, we really don't feel that, you know, it's either trade smalls or trade CME. It's not an either-or situation. It's an and situation. There is, our products fit a, a very large audience because they are smaller, because they are simple. They're all quoted the same way. They all have $1 wide ticks. They all expire on the third Friday of the month. Uh, Sean, you and I know from our experience, you open up a, a futures calendar, you can find something expire on every day of the month, <laughs> yep. and it's never the same same things. <laughs> it's always different depending on the month, the, the 31 different things. Uh, so let's make it easy. Let's take all those little check marks that make it easy, and you know what? There has been a, a demand both on the customer side and on the industry side for innovation. Let's get out of this monopolistic zone we've been in and let's build product let's build innovation and let's build the market what i mean by the market is because futures are really sized for a particular institutional audience the self-directed retail trader trading with him is a relatively small group and they it's difficult to sustain in that environment so the challenge is how do you grow that base how do you get a materially larger group of participants trading uh, productively in the futures market. And all these barriers that we remove, we feel materially will change that landscape. And the industry who has been really starved for new participants has been such a advocate of what we're doing because it will materially change the landscape.
0: You know, Pete, I was chuckling to myself over here when you were talking about the various uh, expirations of all the futures contracts. I can vividly remember on three separate occasions when uh, late in the calendar year, like say around December heading into the holidays, I would always have a mini panic attack where I'm like, Oh shit, I need to get a new calendar for the next year because I because I used to have it right above my desk, right above my one of my monitors. It would be right there so I could stare at it at any moment. I could see all the expirations for the entire year. And come December, I'm always like, "Oh, where do I find a new one?" Anybody know where I can find a new one for the next year?
1: <laughs> yeah, I I remember trading product that thank God were cash settled, which meant that there was no delivery, but I'm clicking away, trading up a storm, and all of a sudden, it's like the market just froze. And I'm like, "What's going on?" Of course, you think I had a problem with my internet connection. No, everybody's up and running, and it was just a contract expired, and I had forgotten that it it was one of those random expirations. So, I mean, between that and the different time frames, um, you know, and these are all legacy things. This is what sometimes makes entrenched players—it's hard to change because they are kind of bound to grains trade from. 7 in the evening to uh, 7.45 in the morning, close and then reopen at 8.30 and go to 120. And I can't tell you how many times, and I'm sure you've done this if you've traded beans or corn, traded right through that 120 and then realized afterwards, like, oh, well, I can't get at this market for another six hours. <laughs> so, uh, and I actually, I had a, one of my computers, I actually found this little app to download that you could record your voice as an alarm clock. And so I downloaded it and I recorded myself just saying "Grains close, grains close, grains close," and I had it with play at 1:15 in the afternoon. After a year or two, I gave my computer to my son because I had gotten some new equipment, and the poor kid would have to suffer through that every day because he couldn't find a way to remove this stupid thing I had downloaded from the internet. So he would—he <laughs> still jokes about that every single day. I would hear "Grains close," it was like your voice was haunting me. So. Part, you know what? You're right. That that calendar, those times, are all. They're security blankets. We needed, but wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to have them?
0: Yeah, I, I do remember that was, the, that was the other thing about all the different futures that I traded. They all had they all had different trading hours throughout the right. day. And I, rem- I I was a trend follower, holding you know I was putting positions on and holding them for multiple weeks, sometimes as short as a few days, but definitely you know holding them over a longer term. And I always remember like. The the days when I would find myself uh, not holding any S and P or index futures, I'm, I'm only holding like say orange juice and uh, soybeans or something, and those markets close early. I'm like, oh yes, it's a half day today. <laughs> yeah, you're adventurous. I love orange juice. There you go. Oh yeah, I traded all that stuff. For oh sure. yeah. Well, Pete, um, last thing about the small exchange, um, you know, I'm curious to hear from you what kind of makes the uh, you know, what type of traders do you envision are going to be most attracted to these small exchange products? Uh, You know, time frame, volume, like kind of lay out to me what your ideal trader for these products is.
1: Sure. So that was one of our goals was to make products that appealed to a much wider audience. So I, I I think, you know, there is there is a desire by people to find products that are a- you're able to size up, not that you're unable to size down. So we created small products in terms of notional size that move within a comfortable range. And again, everyone's comfort is different. But, um, you know, that 70 to 100 dollar daily move lets you start to get vested, understand the product without getting overrun in terms of time. So. Simple to understand we talked about the quoting convention all being the same index-based quotes So two decimal points to the right and moves in one dollar increments. So all these things that make Product adoption hard. We're trying to make easier So these products resonate with that larger audience the ETF an options trader who is looking for better more capital efficient product substitution the passive equity trader or the active equity trader who is looking for pure product exposure. You and I know equity day traders uh, will trade in whatever's moving and you know they may have some tech they may hedge it with in their mind some Exxon Mobil or some Caterpillar and you and I both know sure different segments of the equity markets but to a great extent they all kind of wear the same skin especially when they all start to move. So how do I add true diversification to my portfolio? It's adding products that truly are pure exposure, which are products that we have. It's not blending. ExxonMobil has oil exposure, absolutely. It's also a company, it's also a refiner, it's also a finance company. So futures give you pure product exposure. What a great thing to substitute into a either active or passive equity portfolio, and use that effectively to not only hedge your portfolio with our stock index futures, or gain alpha with metals or energy or foreign exchange. So all those different ways for different participants to start to become vested in the efficiency of these products and how easy they are to adopt, that's our goal. That's what we want to deliver to give people really more choice, more ability to express an opinion and manage risk.
0: Well, and, and Pete, one thing that you haven't said is uh, the, the timing for small exchange products, uh, accidentally through maybe no uh, mm-hmm. no uh, effort of your own, the timing has worked out to be great because it just so happens that a, a couple of factors have come into play. A lot of brokerages have rapidly reduced or eliminated equities commissions for trading. Uh, mm-hmm. Now you've got the you know the COVID crisis going on and lots of people working from home, and we've seen over the last. Four to six months, we've seen a, a massive explosion of, of new accounts being opened at every brokerage around the world. Uh, many of these are smaller traders, younger traders. They don't have, you know, enormous capital bases. And right. these traders, due to their size and due to their newness, uh, you know, they might be under twenty-five k. And those traders, if they want if they want to trade stocks, they can't day trade um, with an account less than twenty-five k. Your products address that issue, uh, or actually make it a non-issue, anybody with any trading size can day trade your products, right?
1: Absolutely, Sean, and and you're right. In the world of uh, cash equities, um, oh, I I hate to go too far down the rabbit hole, but they're not a neutral security. What I mean by that is, you can buy them and hold them, but you know selling them is, oftentimes a challenge. You have to borrow them. There are mechanics and costs involved. Futures are what we call it neutral security, which means I can buy or sell them with equivalent ease all through the same central limit order book. So there's a tremendous amount of efficiency to those products and the sizing question that you mentioned in terms of capital, futures by their nature afford you leverage. So leverage can be looked at one, two ways. It can be looked at as, you know, things move way too fast for me. What that means is that leverage is consuming you Cause you've missized the product to your to your goals so let's get the benefits of leverage which really speak to deploying capital effectively and you do so in the world of futures where it's much more challenging to do so in the world of equities where you highlighted that very very concrete facts so we think this is an incredibly opportune time where capitally efficient products like our small futures become very attractive for everyone to adopt. And you're right, that smaller millennial-sized trader who's looking, who might be trading in the world of Robinhood or fractionalized shares and does not have the $25,000 that's required or is trapped by, and I'm sure many of your listeners and customers are trapped by pattern day trading rules where they they can't buy and sell the same security. None of those constraints or challenges to being productive exist within the world of futures. and. That is really another piece we think will resonate with this very large audience you highlighted.
0: Well, Pete, I could tell you, uh, at Trade Ideas, we, we're excited to, to have the data, the small exchange data on our platform. And, and we're seeing customers now, uh, you know, manipulating the data in unique ways, building, uh, you know, strategies around your products. Um, you know, Trade Ideas gives people the tools to you know, build build whatever strategy they they like. Uh, you know, you could, you, if you want to build a breakout strategy, great. You could buy. You could get alerted when when one of the contracts makes a new high. If you want to look for a you know an intraday pullback of a certain percentage, you could do that. If you're looking for a, a moving average crossover alert, uh, you know, I don't want to get too lost in the weeds, but there's hundreds of different sure. alerts people can use and build strategies around. And so we're seeing people building those and using that. Uh, And then hopefully I I would trust that some of them are using it to actually trade and and, and send trades through uh, whichever brokers uh, are accepting your orders now. Now, I know your products are not available everywhere just yet, but many of the major brokers are either on board now or
1: are lining up, right? They are. We've got a tremendous stable of brokers and FCMs who are supporting it. Um, Trade Ideas with their cutting edge technology and, as you mentioned, that ability to really dive in and dissect markets is you guys are incredibly uh, wonderful, and we, we know a strategic partner for, uh, for the small exchange as we move forward and grow our business. But uh, we, we are ever increasing our participant base, both on the individual and the clearing level. So you will see more and more places where you'll be able to trade small exchange products.
0: Wonderful, Pete. Well, look, I know you guys are busy over there and I appreciate you carving out a little window of your your trading day to talk with me. I know know when I first rang you, I heard a lot of trades going off in the background. I heard your bell ringing. (laughs) So I know you're busy over there. thanks for doing this uh, and thanks for partnering with us and thanks for your continued uh, uh, efforts in this world. I mean, we're kindred spirits, both you and I and and our re- representative companies. I mean, we both believe in the small investor. We both believe in giving them the tools that they need to be successful. Uh, so I'm looking forward to working with you on, on more things down the road and I couldn't be more excited. So thanks, Pete.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Sean. We look to you too, as a key partner in our growth and we're we're very excited to be working with you and your customers as we move forward and you know what it's always great to it's always great to catch up with you and be able to kind of uh, share thoughts and and be able to uh, discuss where we are in terms of opportunities so thanks again for for having me on